You're listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Fleur Lonsdale. And if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. I am so excited to be bringing you this episode with Isabel Bertrand Hansinger. Oh my goodness, this lady has one hell of a story to share with you, all about, well, her life, but getting to a point of real deep, dark moments and trying to commit suicide and her daughter finding her and the process that she's been through since that moment as a doctor, as a perfectionist, as a do-it-aller and what an incredible journey she has to share and what incredible lessons we get to learn from her today. I'm so excited for you to have the pleasure of this interview and the learnings that she gets to share with us today. Welcome, Isabel. Thank you so much for joining us on the She's Unshakable podcast today. I'm so excited to have you with us. And I know you've got such an incredible story to share with our listeners as well. So I'm so grateful that you're here. So thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me, Fleur. It's great to meet you. And it's great to know somebody else here in New Zealand. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so good. <laughs> we need to get a bigger New Zealand crew on the podcast, I think, is a good idea. A very good idea. We need more of them. We do, we do. Don't worry. We can be the we can be the the starters. <laughs> that's, <laughs> the go getters. That's right. All right, so I mean, before we get stuck into your story, why don't you um, tell me a little bit more about your morning routine, how it is that you set yourself up for the day, and yeah. Great. Well, um, the first thing I do is I definitely make sure that I lay in bed, (laughs) and I've got this yellow construction paper on the wall, and it won't let me wake up and get out of bed unless I say, today is going to be the best day of my life. Something good is going to happen to me today, and something good is going to happen through me. And that's like how I wake up. And you know what? We all have like a difficult life sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And I believe that if you just make a decision to be happy, then your body will catch up and so will your mind. And so then you put your feet on the ground and begin the day. So is so that actually, is that written on your wall? Are those words written yeah. on your wall? I love it. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. How big is and, it? And, uh, it's pretty, it's the whole, I, I just took some yellow construction paper with some marker and I just wrote it out. And so it's one big long thing. And it's as you wake up, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot to say that. Because sometimes you just wake up really fast. Oh, I love it. That's so good. <laughs> what comes next? And, and then I um I pray to God and I've just got a special prayer for God. Nice. Thanking him for the day and to use me. And then I go in, take a shower, do what I gotta do. And then at the end of the shower, I blast on the cold water Boom. and I stand there as as long as I possibly can now why do I do that well because in the past I wasn't really in control of my brain 
mm-hmm. in my mind. I let my mind be the boss of me. And through things that I've gone through in my life, I've decided to be the boss of my brain. And that's one of the first things that kind of shocks me. And so I stand there and I take it for as long as I can. Sometimes it's 15 seconds. Sometimes it's just 10 seconds. But I just take it. I don't look forward to it, but I just do it. And then I'm ready for the day. And then I... um, I go and I have some coffee with some MCT oil and I take that cup of coffee and and I go into my war room and my war room is my office and on there is just everything, words, my, my love language is words, words to speak, to encourage me, to lift me up. And, um, and then I just sit and I've got readings that I do from the Bible and the word for today. And, and then after about a half an hour of that, You know, this is all just to get my brain and my heart ready for the day. Because, you know, life happens, right? It does. And if you don't prepare yourself, man, you can just get knocked down. And I have just gone into battle for the day without preparing my mind. And, oh, man, do I fail miserably. And then after about half an hour of that, I've got my daily planner. And my daily planner is um, just the three big things that I've got to get accomplished for the day. And then sayings that I say to myself lots of words like lots of words like for instance I one of the things that I I because you know you just got to control yourself because if you don't man it can be messy so one of some of the things I say is um, I decide to maintain a positive mental attitude today and another thing is I know that what I think about and do today matters. Did you ever read that book, The Slight Edge? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I got that from The Slight Edge. <laughs> so those are types of things, you know, and I only think about what I, I only focus on what I want. I don't focus on what I don't want. I just focus on what I want. So those are, you know, it's an hour that I, that I have for myself. It's a long time to prime the mind. Hey. Yeah, and you know, my our kids are grown, so they're off, and so Michael and I have our special. We actually have this time. Awesome. We never had this time before. Yeah. But now we're like, <laughs> wow, this is important time. Yeah. I and then it. I'm ready for the day. Boom. Char! <laughs> yeah, boom. <laughs> Do you know, it's so interesting. My love language is words of affirmation, and I have never put the two together as to why I like saying things out loud and listening to because I have a I have words of affirmation I read my mission statement in the morning I read my goals that I have for for the year um, and I do the same thing I normally write out what my goals are for that day but I also um, read I have like a recording that I've audio recorded behind like some intense music because I'm a big fan of like intense classical music <laughs> um and I listen to me reading out loud my mission statement to that to that music and my goals to that music. And it fires me up every time. And even if like during the day, if I need like a bit of a, a boot up the bum, like I will listen to that and it just gets me in. And I've never connected the fact that words of affirmations is my love language to to that being so powerful for me. But that's great. Good news for yeah, me. Well, <laughs> What another lesson to learn. I know. Right? <laughs> Why did I not think about that before? I love it. It's so good. Yeah, and why wait for somebody else to say it to you? 
Say oh, it to yourself. That's not going to happen anyway. <laughs> if you can't say it to yourself, tell you what, yeah, no one else is going to tell you. And I love that you're your best cheerleader. You know, that's so don't wait for other people to cheerlead you on. You know, that'll never happen. Yeah. I mean, you'll have certain people, you know. Yeah. It's, um, I think that's probably one of the hardest lessons to learn in life, to be honest, is that when you go and decide to do something, that the support people that you think will support you and be your biggest cheerleaders are often not. <laughs> and then you kind of have to go out and be your own biggest cheerleader and go find the people who will cheer you on and then go that way instead. But yeah, it's always a good and lesson. that's how you build resiliency, right? That sure is. It sure is. So, I mean, obviously... And I just wanted to add... Mm. I just wanted to also add... But my morning isn't over yet. Oh, all right. <laughs> What's job. next? So then, so, so <laughs> then it's time to get the body moving. <laughs> and, um, and then I go power walking for an hour. And again, more positive words. I speak out positive things that I want in my life. You know, like, I love my life. I love my life. You know, just, I love my life. Even if my life is just terrible. And, you know, <laughs> things are terrible. Your brain will kick into gear. So I love my life. And then just all other things. And I'll call my mom who lives in Washington, D.C. She's 96 years young. And she is a powerhouse of positivity. And so she's a joy to talk to. And then also, um, then I'll come home and I'll be on the rebounder, which is really good for the lymphatics for about five minutes. Yeah, got one of those too. <laughs> and then I'll either do uh, resistance or high intensity for five, for 10 minutes. And then I get to have breakfast. Wow. So that's, that is like a perfect morning for me. And it's usually two hours, but you know. But then I'm working, you know, from 12 until 9 at night sometimes. Okay, so this is um, two hours. You spend one hour reading your words and doing your prayer and getting yourself into state. And then another hour of movement, which includes your walking, cooling your mum and doing your weights or jumping on the rebounder. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. What time do you wake up in the morning? Um, about seven. Oh, okay. So not early. Okay. No, no, no. And then, and then you start work straight after at, at nine or do you do I more try, like 10? I try before 12 is for my health. Okay, cool. And then after 12 is for our doctor on a mission, you know, taking care of the rest of the world, take care of myself first and then boom, I'm ready to feed. <laughs> biggest, <laughs> biggest aha moment. Take care of yourself first right before you can look after anyone else if only every single mum in this world could take that one message on and go yes i'm gonna look after myself first before going and looking after my family we would be winning at life yes but a lot of moms you know i i know what it's like to be a mom and you don't have you don't have the two or three hours to yourself that just doesn't happen but you can do 10 minutes you can do yeah five ten minutes of something yeah. that you love for sure. Okay, well, obviously you've got to this place where you are now and this ball of positivity, uh, not just by letting life pass it by. So I know that you've got whew, a whole lot of story to um, to share with us today. Why don't we, I mean, why don't you just start off? Just go wherever you want to go with this. Start wherever you want to start and tell us a little bit more about your background. All righty, um... Gosh, where do you start? Okay, 
I can do it in two and a half minutes. <laughs> well, we don't need to go that fast, but you can. Okay. All right. Well, then we'll just start. So um, in 2000, I was a medical doctor in America, mm-hmm. in Colorado, and I just was really unhappy practicing medicine in America. And so I said to my husband one night, I said, babe, let's go somewhere else so I can be a doctor and help people. And so he goes, like, where? And I go, I don't know. So we spun the globe, and it landed in Africa. And he said, no. <laughs> and, then he, and then it spun, and it landed in England. He goes, no, too much rain, because we don't like rain. Yeah. And, and so then we ended up in New Zealand, and he found me work in New Zealand. I, we came here in 2000 with our two daughters, and uh, I practiced medicine as a GP here in New Zealand until... 2013 and I became more and more frustrated practicing medicine because we don't have healthcare system even here in New Zealand we've got disease management Mm -hmm. and I just can't I couldn't do it anymore I couldn't just keep on giving people pills and not getting anywhere you know what I'm talking about I know exactly you're not you're not taking care of any real deep problem and all along I've been studying functional medicine since 2000 are you familiar with the Institute of Functional Medicine absolutely Dr. Mark Hyman and all those and so the more I learned the more I was like you know you get that burning dream in your heart like wow I can change the world (laughs) I can change medicine and help people get healthy and in 2013 my husband I had been in my husband's ear, like, we need to do this, babe. We need to do this. You're a chef. You know, you could learn nutritional chefing, and and we could do this together and help people because people don't even know how to cook. People don't even know how to cook, Fleur. Oh, yeah. That's the... I know. (laughs) It's so sad. They're just used to opening up sachets. And it just was breaking my heart more and more and more. So then in 2013, I left private practice and we still needed to make money, you know, so I started locoming and then we, and then we opened up, uh, we started our doctor on a mission, which is an online site. And our mission was to prevent and prevent and reverse disease and give people hope Mm -hmm. in the process. And so we started that and then, and things went well, but you know, when you start a business, you think it's just going to go snap, snap, snap? Because <laughs> I've never been an entrepreneur, you know. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to do this stuff. You don't learn how to do this stuff in medical school. Or at school. No. <laughs> or at school. Yeah. Oh, school. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then, so in 2014, at that point, I was uh, 54. I was 54. And so I was a doctor, a mother, an entrepreneur, a wife, and also menopausal. I had no idea that that was going on, and I'm a medical doctor. I I did not realize that not sleeping for 17 days any more than three hours was due to menopause. I I thought I was losing my mind, and I did lose my mind. And after not sleeping for 17 days, any more than two or three hours, I um, tried to take my life twice in three days. And long story short, um, that woke me up. 
like, holy moly, I'm mm-hmm. going to lose my medical license. I'm not going to be able to support my family. I won't be able to do doctor on a mission. And I'm going to be put away, you know, because I'm crazy. And, and so my husband took me, my husband and my pastors really helped me a lot. And I ended up um, seeing a psychiatrist. He put me on antidepressants. And the, the, the psychiatrist was a lovely, I mean, he was, I loved him. He was a really good guy. But this is all he knew. Mm-hmm. He knew to put me on vitamin Prozac. And he said, Isabel, just stay on it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I stayed on it for two years. But the whole two years, so now I'm beginning the struggle. I had the dream, right? Starting Doctor on a Mission. Yeah. Then the struggle, which is, you know, people don't talk about their struggle before the victory. Yeah. And then during the two years, I was taking my... Prozac and, you know, working the the medical council was phenomenal, very supportive. Um, They allowed me to get help and I was working as a medical doctor here in New Zealand, locoming. And then what happened was um, the more I learned about why I was anxious and depressed and, and suicidal, the more I realized this stuff is not being taught to our patients. So I, I learned, you know, that there's 10 areas that I needed to get healed in to help me get the ground cleaned up. And then I was able to remove the Prozac. And so I've been off that now for several years and just taking care of the 10 pillars to, to keep me healthy. And, and now I'm here and you say I'm a ball of positivity it's a choice. Oh, it always is. It's, it's a choice I make every single Absolutely. day. Let me ask that's you. that's my story and that's what I'm sticking to. I love it. I love the story. Let me, um, let me just rewind a little bit. Mm-hmm. The 17 days of sleeping, three minus hours. Was, was it just the menopause that was stopping you from sleeping? Was there other things that were going on at the time? And like what, let's, I want to dig in a little bit as to what was going on for you during, during those moments of, and how you were feeling. You're good. (laughs) You're a good, you're a good, um, interviewer. Oh, thanks. That's a great question. Um, so yeah, there were a couple things. I was a new entrepreneur. Yeah. I've got the personality. I'm a choleric sanguine. So that's somebody who's, I want it done like that. Yeah. So I expected Dr. On a Mission to be serving a million people in one year. And that wasn't happening. Um, it was expensive to start a new business Always. online in the cloud. You know that. Yeah. And financially, we were just going under. Mm-hmm. and um, I felt like it was all my my fault. Mm-hmm. So just the pressure of my dream on the family, I thought that it would just be better if I was gone, mm-hmm. you know, so that nobody would have to deal with this. Wow. Now, now I realized that, yeah, I was just very anxious too because mm-hmm. when you don't sleep, you get you can get very anxious. Yep. Yeah. And, but my marriage to my husband was great. I mean, it's fantastic. It's super fantastic now because it's deeper and sure. and more. We're so super glued to each other. But um, 
And now I realize that there were so many more other things like my gut health. Yeah. You know, my exercise, my relationships, my stress. Yeah. Hormones, you know, all those things that we don't address. Yeah to overcome anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. So there's there was a lot that I had to repair and I learned it as I as you went. learned more and more. Yeah. Yeah. So cuz obviously obviously you give us the 17 days but I'm like I'm sure it probably wasn't just 17 days. It had probably been accumulating over a period of time and it was at that moment where you know the suicidal thoughts became more apparent than maybe you'd previously imagined that that could be yeah. now was it how long how long pre before that had you sort of started on the business journey and what was the what was the journey from from that point onwards well the two years before that event I had already started becoming perimenopausal to the point where I wasn't sleeping throughout the, I was having hot right hot, hot flashes hot. And not sleeping. So it was interrupted sleep. For two years. But, um, you know, I, I would at least get six hours, kind of, every night. Yeah. But then you put anxiety on top of that and stress. Yeah. And um, less estrogen in your system and less sleep, the bigger the picture, you know, mm-hmm. the worse the situation and you just, and I exploded. Uh, so it, this had been going on for the last two years prior to that event. And I was doing an interview with Dr. Uh, yeah, Dr. Kelly from Dutch Test, who that checks hormones, yeah. women's hormones and men's hormones. And she did a little research, uh, PubMed research on women who commit suicide and what the age group is. The age group is between 45 and 61. So wow. I I had never heard of that. I no. never realized that that area, I'd never been taught that in medical training, that, that is, that's serious. And it's not a deficiency in vitamin Prozac. It's and I say vitamin Prozac because that's what yes. is given out, yeah. like candy. Mm-hmm. It's the so, hormones. So in answer to your question, it was a two-year journey before it just went pop. Yeah. And And I just wanted to say also as a Christian, you know, it was hard for me because as a Christian, in Christ, um, when you're a Christian, the thinking, this is just the feeling. Nobody ever said this to me. But you know how you can pick up people's thoughts when they're talking to you and looking at you and dealing yeah. with you? The feeling I was getting was, oh, you're just not close enough to God. And and I felt so shameful about that. Like, wow. I thought, because I became a, I, I, I always grew up with God. My mom was very believed in God. And, and, but I, bec- I ran away from God until about 20, 2005. Um, but then my husband and I came to God and and we'd been working on a relationship with God, but then this happened and I felt so shameful, like, oh my gosh, it's because I don't have a good relationship with God. That is not true. I had a good relationship with God, but there was other things that I needed to 
to heal. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the biggest revelations I have for anybody who has a relationship, has a, you know, is in a church and stuff. Don't think that it's just because you don't have a close relationship with God. It's bigger and deeper. Yes, I was trying to build Doctor on a Mission all by myself. And, <laughs> you know, you can't do anything by yourself, right? Right. Yeah, you need your team. You need a team. Whatever your team is. But um, I've learned since then that, um, you know, I need my team. And, but there was other areas that needed to be repaired. So that shame has been lifted and, and I, don't, I don't feel that way anymore. Great. Good to hear. And Does that make sense? Absolutely. 100%. Now, I think that's really important to talk about because, I mean, I, I grew up a, a Catholic. Yeah, me too. I um I I I don't believe in that religion anymore. Um it's I guess do you know what for me I had um a lot of friends die at a very young age. Uh I then had my best friend die uh as a 21-year-old and I honestly thought I was like, you know what? If this is happening, God doesn't exist. Like it's not a thing. <laughs> it's not possible. And I'm very much now a believer of of more of the universe and source and and if if you want to call it god we can call it god you know i th i believe that everyone should have a faith in some sort and whichever faith that is you've got to do what you got to do right you've got to believe in what you want to believe and i i am totally um what would i say like open to who whoever wants to believe what believes whatever that whatever they have in faith is good for them to have faith in right but I also see a lot of people, especially in religion as such, that get a lot of shame and a lot of guilt from maybe thinking bad things or doing bad things or maybe what they feel is sinning, you know. And I don't know what the outlook is on uh, suicide when it comes to Christianity. It's not something I'm well versed on. But how did you feel when those thoughts were coming up for you when it, when it comes to your religion? Um, at the time, I just wanted to end it. I, yeah. I wasn't thinking, you know, I wasn't thinking what's going to happen to me. I'm just going to be done okay. and I'm not going to cause anybody pain. That's where I was. Yeah. I wasn't thinking, am I going to hell or am I go where am I going? I just thought I wanted to be done. Yeah. You know, and um, and that was the quickest way yeah. to, to have it done. And by the grace of God, my daughter heard me in the garage and she came in. And I just, you know, I just at that time I had um, I just I was I was not doing it. And then um, and she said, Mom, what are you doing? And I go, oh, I'm just looking for some books. And, and she goes. And I go and I shuffled her into bed, into bed, and then I told my husband what was going on. So I believe that God used my daughter mm -hmm. as an angel to bring her in and interrupt. How old was your daughter? Um, sixteen. Okay. Yeah, and we've talked about it, and she, you know, we've talked. There's a lot of talking that had to happen, of but course. it didn't happen for about five years because everybody oh. was like. <gasps> Mom's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Man. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. So it's 
So I didn't, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to hell or sure. any, I just wanted to be done. Yeah. I really wanted to sleep forever. That's all I wanted to do. Right. And that was like the best, fastest way. And it was in, it was like your thought process was everyone else will be able to live an easier, better life without me. Totally. Totally. What a lie, huh? It's crazy, hey? What a lie. And you know, as a Christian, that's a lie from Satan. And that's what he wanted me to believe. And now, now I realize, you know, God just snatched me from the mouth of the lion. I mean, that's what I, that's my understanding of this whole situation. And I can help people get through that because it's a lie. You're here. We're all here Mm -hmm. to do amazing work. Like Abraham Maslow says, you know, in the pyramid of, 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 of life, the top is self-actualization, giving our gift to the world. You've got a gift. We all have this amazing gift to share. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm I'm really intrigued as to how your conversation went with your husband. Do you remember? Yeah. Is it like is it like bright in your mind as to how oh, that yeah. went? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what did? Um, well, um, my daughter took me into the bedroom. I've never shared this before. My daughter took me into the bedroom and said, "Mommy's not feeling good, Dad," and so. Then I closed, then dad, cl- Michael closed the door and my daughter went to bed. I thought she had gone to bed, but actually she was right outside the door hearing That's everything. Me. And I just said, Michael, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. But I tried to, I'm trying to kill myself because I had done it the day, two days before with a drug overdose. And I said, I'm still trying to kill myself. I'm sorry. And so this was like at 1.30 in the morning, and he was so good. I was shaken. I was like a wild animal oh, because, yeah. you know, I hadn't slept. I really wanted to sleep. Yeah. And so he um, just grabbed me in bed and just held me, and I was able to go to sleep in his arms Wow! until like 6 o'clock in the morning. And then he called our pastor, Jack Lamborn, and said, hey, Jack, can, can we come over? And... Yeah, and we went there, and and then I got help. Wow. But it was the first time just sharing that with my husband because three days, a couple of days before, I tried to overdose, and that didn't happen. And then he took me to the pastor, and then I tried a couple of days later, and because I just wanted to sleep because I wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sleep is really important. <laughs> That's why I get I get nervous. I get nervous when people are telling me they're not sleeping because mm-hmm. um, this world thinks that sleep isn't a big deal. Like you can get by on four or five hours of sleep. And I know as women, we really, well, everybody needs sleep. Everyone everybody needs, needs sleep. Seven to nine hours of sleep. Good sleep. Yeah. So anyway, my husband, I was able to fall asleep. And my husband, I guess because I was. You'd let go. I, I just surrendered into yeah. his arms. And that it wasn't on me anymore. It was like, okay, I'm going to get help. I might be making an assumption here, but are you, were you, or maybe were you the kind of woman who was like, I've got this, I can do everything. Like, I will take everything on my shoulders and I will carry it. <laughs> and you got me right. And that's what I learned. That's what, 
Now, I'm a born-again Christian, okay? Not Catholic anymore. So (laughs) that's what I learned. I learned that God wants to be going before me. You know, he's like, in the Bible, it says, I am with you always. Mm. You know, I will never leave you. And I'm going before you. And so that's what I needed to learn from the spiritual pillar, that God's going before and making the way. That it's not on my strength. Do you understand? Absolutely. You're you're an entrepreneur. It's not in our strength. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. I had a and that that's what I learned. That's what I learned. Yeah. <laughs> I had a really interesting because my my partner's a coach too, right? And he's extremely intuitive. He gets a lot of messages, he sees a lot of things, and he's always right on the money. He's always right on the money, right? And he does, he just gets to a point where he forgets to trust himself. And I, like last night, he had this coaching session with someone and he was telling me about it and he was telling me how incredible it was and how, how much he saw and how much it resonated and just, you know, the, the, the lightning essentially that you can create when you speak to someone's truth and what they can get from it. And I just said, why are you not listening to your guidance like you're getting this guidance you're getting these messages you're getting these things because you can see them because you can read them because you can do something with them that's your strength and why are you not stepping into it more like it doesn't frustrate me but I'm like this is like not everyone has that power to have that and maybe we all do but most of us can't tap into it right and you've been given this and you need to go and use it to go and change the world, to go and change people's lives, because that's what you're here for. And I think so, I see sort of so many women, especially, and probably just because I work mostly with women, right? I see this in women, that we put so much weight on our shoulders to look after the kids, to clean the house, to make the dinner, to bring in the money, to look after a husband, to make sure that everyone's happy, to make sure that everyone's fit and healthy. So many things, and we forget about ourselves, and then we get kind of lost in this, this world of pull and push and pull and push, and our energy being taken from everything, and not giving ourselves the energy that we need, not sleeping enough, you know, not drinking enough, not water, not doing enough movement and not giving ourselves enough grace and giving us the affirmations that we need. And we get to a point of whether we call it burnout, whether we call it anxiety, whatever it is that's playing on our minds and stopping us from living in our true purpose and our true power, that you, you know, it's it's no surprise that we get caught up in this this life, and that so many people suffer with that thought process or these feelings, and not being able to sleep at night, and being kept awake. And it's just I find it so important for us and to have this conversation that mental health is 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 not just a. It's not just something that just happens like, oh, I, I, I suffer with anxiety. You don't just suffer with, with anxiety. Like this stems from so much more than oh, yeah. we think. And we think that we can fix it like that or with taking Prozac or whatever. And there's so much of a deeper connection and a deeper thing that we can figure out. And a lot of that is in trust. 
is entrusting that we don't have to do this on our own and that we do have guidance and there is other things that are there like the universe is here to look after us and it'll only throw at us what we can deal with god will only throw at us what we can deal with and when we can believe that and truly understand that life becomes so much easier it becomes more flow and we kind of we we can actually be in control of our own lives and actually decide where we want it to go rather than maybe just assuming that what life is meant to look like you know well said well said and well said yeah, I mean, obviously, we're, we're on the same page. Like, we won't totally understand what what each oh, other's yeah. thinking. But oh, I, yeah. I, I really want to delve into a little bit about, you know, how you went step to step from, from that moment and pulling yourself forward. And, <laughs> I mean, this... Like the process that you're at now, like how did you get to a point where you, one, understood that you were in control of your feelings and your life and what's happening to you in that time compared to possibly wait? I mean, there's obviously a lot of things that are involved in this. We could talk for hours on this. Yeah, yeah, we could talk for hours. Um, Well, first of all, um, I had to make, and I have this written on, my door going into my war room, um, I have a made up mind and I have that like on my door. I have a made up mind. I am unstoppable. I am courageous. I am an overcomer. Everything's figure outable (laughs) and I'm alive for a reason. So that's what I get before I go (laughs) into my room. (laughs) So So I, I, I had that down first and I'm a doctor I'm a healer. I'm a fixer. You know, I can't stand seeing people unwell. And I couldn't stand myself being unwell because I saw what it did to my kids. They were mm-hmm. so worried for them. Mm-hmm. They were so worried for me and my husband. So I was like, that's it. I'm going to figure this out. And so I started walking down the road and I started learning about the first thing I learned about was adverse childhood experiences. Oh, yeah. Let's dig oh into that. Gosh. <laughs> Holy moly. Nobody <laughs> ever talked to me about A scores. Oh, but I remember, I remember I was taking a um, Institute of Functional Medicine biological, uh, bioidentical hormone course online. And yeah. they were talking about ACE. And I was like, what's ACE? What ACE? And Mark Hyman's talking about, get your ACE score. Get, I'm like, what is an ACE score? Well, my ACE score... Um, was greater than four. Well, anything over four, you have an in, you have an increased risk of suicide by twelve hundred percent. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Oh so my then goodness. I was like, okay, how am I going to repair what happened in the past in my childhood? Well, then I um then you know it's so cool. I love this. <laughs> so so I'm like, okay, what do I do next, God? What do I do? And then Annie Hopper showed up in my life. Do you know who Annie Hopper is? I don't. Well, Annie Hopper suffered from mold toxicity, but she's developed this program called DNRS. It's an online program that um, it's called Dynamic Neural Retraining System. So you're retraining your limbic system. Oh, yeah. And your limbic system has the amygdala, which is 
trauma and the hypothalamus, which is memory. So those two kind of like live together. And then there's two others, which um, my concern was my hypothalamus, my memory, and my amygdala, the trauma. So DNRS. And I sent everybody there that's suffering from a lot of stuff. So anyway, (laughs) I did that. That took me six months to do because it's, you have to implement for an hour every day this this these these steps i did that and my husband if my husband was here he'd be like that has helped you so much because you know she teaches you how to walk and how to say certain things like in the past um stop 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 my mind is stuck in a rut and i you know there's all these things that you do and in the past i used to think And now I'm doing this. So it's just breaking what happened in the past. So DNRS, I did that for six months. Then I learned about gut health. Holy! (laughs) I'm like, gut health! And then I learned about gut health. And then I learned about hormones, biological hormones, deeper. Because then I was like, maybe I should do my own testing. So I learned about that. Then I learned about toxic relationships. Then I learned about more stress. And then I learned about um, gluten and dairy. And then it was just just (laughs) the road was unraveling. And I was like, and so I'd repair that. And then I'd repair that. And so, and I'm still working, you know. I mean, it's a forever thing. I'll be doing this for the rest of my life until my last breath yeah but the two biggies were my ace waking up that my past was really still stuck in my brain yeah and um dnrs with annie hopper yeah i love her she she just if i ever meet her in person i'll have to look her up is she from the states Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, she's in the States. Yeah. Cool. Um, can you give us a little bit of an example of what you learned from your A score? Is there a particular story that came up for you? Oh, yes. So, the biggest story was when I was nine. Gosh, you are a really good interviewer. (laughs) You really, you just go... Straight in, it's really good. Um, I've got I've got a lot to learn from you, <laughs> um, and you're also a very good listener. So thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure, it's great. I love um, it. The biggest story is um, I remember my family's Cuban. Oh, and really? I grew up in Washington D.C. and um, Daddy was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. He's dead now, and I have forgiven him. Um, but Daddy was a, a mean alcoholic behind closed doors and very emotionally, um, psychologically abusive to us and physically abusive to my mom. And, um, and the big thing that I remember was at nine years of age, uh, dad had gotten a rifle and, and he, I remember he brought, he said, everybody come into the bedroom and he had a rifle in the closet with the door open. And he said, that rifle is loaded and you never open this door or touch it. And that was at the point, it was right then that I realized that's when fear, when I first felt fear and anxiety 
Mm-hmm. And so because I felt like, because he could kill us. And I knew that mom and dad were fighting and daddy was, mommy was threatening to leave dad. And so daddy bought the gun to shoot her. You know, that was the. That was in your head. What you're thinking. That was the psycho. Well, no, that was what he was going to do. Right. His okay. mom left him. Yeah. So, and so, so, so that was in my amygdala, mm-hmm. my, my, my trauma. And then my hypothalamus, no, my hippocampus, my memory center remembered. If I ever feel fear, this is fast forward into my life, okay? Whenever I feel fear, somebody's going to kill me. Yep. So that's so that all built up. So that was a big, that was huge. That was huge. Yeah. And then, yeah, so that, and that just built up and built up. And so I pretty much lived my whole life with anxiety. Because there were so many things, whenever anything scary would happen to me, you know, even crossing the road and seeing a car coming, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get killed. Yeah. You know, just that. So those are the connections that you have to unbreak mm-hmm. in your life, in your brain. You got to be the boss of your brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, girl. I'm feeling it. Oof. I'm getting tingles at my spine. <laughs> and, you know, before the age of 11, or is it nine? Anything anybody says to you gets landed into your subconscious and yeah. gets planted, mm-hmm. you know, but then after 11 or not, I think it's after 11, after 11, you can shut the door and say, nah, I'm not receiving that. You know, just before you become, when you become a tweeny, just a preteen, you're like, ah, I'm not listening to you. You're a liar. You know, I'm not that person. <laughs> but anybody who says that oh. stuff to you gets ingrained will get planted into your brain so Mm. yeah there's just a lot of wake-ups like wow yeah that's awesome Uh, did you see that there's a lot of work to do with anxiety and depression yeah I mean yeah of course did um obviously you because obviously there's a there's a lot of inner child work to be done and most people will have some sort of story you know I even did a course and one of the girls went back when she was in the womb she could literally remember what her mum was saying when she was in the womb it just came out to her and I was like whoa so there's a lot of things that we can that obviously play play games with us in our like no kidding right this this girl she she was her mum was saying things in the womb and she basically said in to herself I need to be the complete opposite of my mum when I come out this was what she came out with is in this course and she like came out into the world as a child like with the straightest hair when her parents both had like super curly hair like like really odd things that were just completely the opposite of her mother because her mother had basically said I don't want this this baby to come into this world and take over my presence, essentially. It was nuts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said for for inner child work and even before that. But how did you go from figuring out the understanding and seeing that it was there and that it was playing that fearful thought in your head to realising that and working through it, accepting it, acknowledging it and going through the other side. Was that a words of affirmations thing as well? Or was there a deeper process to it? No, just the work that Annie taught you to do. Yeah. 
because she's got a process that you do for an hour every day. And I would do it for walking. Yeah. You know, I can't sit in a room and do these, these exercises. So I would walk and, mm-hmm. and people would see me walking and I'd be like, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> My mind is stuck in a rut. <laughs> but I don't care. Like at that point, I was like, I don't care what people think. I'm getting this fixed. Nice. I'm the doctor of my body. I'm the CEO of my health. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I would have probably walked past you going, what's that lady doing? <laughs> even though I would have, might, maybe even if I knew what you were doing, I'd probably be like, why are you doing it out walking? But hey, each their own. Um, so obviously um, we could talk for hours and I've got so many questions that I could ask you, but I would really love to know um, obviously you've learned so much through this journey and, and you know what, you, you were blessed to have that journey as well for a reason, you know, I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that that happened because it's, you know, made you the person that you are now and been able to change lives and, and help people with that too. I'd love to know what's probably one of the best pieces of advice that you've learned that you could give to our listeners who maybe are struggling with anxiety or depression. Don't give up. Make a decision to figure it out. And if you're on antidepressants, okay. Be on antidepressants. Get repaired. And then safely come off your antidepressant. Because it's not it's not an antidepressant deficiency. There's just other things. Mm-hmm. Just don't give up because you're here for a reason. You're not a mistake. No one ever is. No one is a mistake. You're here for a reason. Yep. I love it. Yeah. Um, and another one of my favorite questions now, I, you can go completely off topic here if you want. You can keep it in the same topic if you prefer. <laughs> um, what's the scariest thing that you've ever done? Um, <coughs> given birth. <laughs> my gosh. My first child, um, actually giving birth has been the scariest thing I've ever done in my life because it comes out of your vagina. <laughs> it's, it's just like, holy moly, how's this going to happen? And uh, that was the scariest. But then the best is holding the babies in my arms and just loving them. And Did you have any complications or was it just the process? Oh, uh, yeah, the first one was complications. She just, there's this position called head position and it's the widest position. And, you know, your vagina is only this big. It's not <laughs> supposed to be, it's not supposed to be like this big. And, and they ch- kept on trying to put her chin down so that she'd come out. Yeah. But she kept on going, no, she's a lot like me. No, I'm doing it this way. <laughs> God bless her. <laughs> anyway, I knew that because I was a doctor when I was giving birth. So I knew everything that was happening down below. Yeah. And I was just, I was scared. Wow. But it, it worked out all fine? Yeah, she was delivered. Batch. Both my kids have been delivered. Wow. You know what? How many women I have on this podcast who answer that giving birth was the scariest thing they've ever done? How many? 
I'd say I've had four. Wow. It's quite a lot. So now you have me. I, I mean, I, have, I, I don't obviously have a tick box, <laughs> but it feels like quite, a common, like quite a common answer to that question. Well, think about it, Fleur. You've got this baby growing in you for 10, week, 10 months. Be known, it's yep. 10 months. It's not nine <laughs> it's months. Not don't nine. listen to the lie that it's not. 40 weeks is 10 <laughs> months. And so you have a long time to think about how's this going to help her. <laughs> and when you're a medical doctor who delivers babies sometimes, you get to think a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can really chatter up a big story in your brain. Sure. Yeah. I Do you guess. have any children? No. <laughs> well, the thing the thing is, it happens, and then you do it again, and then you're like, right? "Oh no!" <laughs> and that's why I've only had two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. Okay, I love it. Um, okay, so tell me a little bit more about what you do now, how people can find out more about you, how people can, can find out more about your work. And uh, yeah, let's go with that. Thank you. And you'll put it in the show notes down below. I will for sure put it in the show notes. Well, the cool thing is that my husband during this whole process learned how to become, he was trained as a culinary chef, professional European culinary chef. So now he's switched over to a certified nutritional chef. Awesome. So he's joined forces with me because we all need to learn how to eat right better, right? We do. Yeah. So we've created um, Doctor on a Mission, and that's doctoronamission.com. And the three areas that we work on is overcoming anxiety and depression, uh, ending Alzheimer's. So we help people reverse Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. Using Dr. Bredesen, have you ever read that book, The End of Alzheimer's? No. Oh, well, it's a medical doctor that teaches us, medical practitioners around the world, how to help people um, reverse cognitive decline and dementia. Cool. <clears throat> the brain is like a house, and if the house has like 40 holes in it and it rains, what happens? It gets... You get flooded. Yeah. You get flooded. And that's the same thing that happens with Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is reversible and it is preventable. We just need to figure out what the holes are leaking and then plug them up. Mm. So the the next area we work on is um, ending Alzheimer's. And then the next one is helping people reverse prediabetes and type 2 diabetes. Because prediabetes and type 2 diabetes and anxiety and depression increases your risk of Alzheimer's. Wow. Who knew? I didn't even know that. Well, kaboom. Wow, that's awesome. And I, we always recommend people start working on this in their 40s. So don't, don't, you know, don't think that you have to wait until it starts happening. The work starts in your 40s. Mm. So those are the t- three big tabs. So it's doctoronamission.com. And then we've started a private free Facebook group called the Bossy Brain Solution, <laughs> helping people overcome anxiety and depression Such a good naturally. Name how I did it and how you can too. And Michael's in there talking about his journey. You know, what, what can somebody outside that's helping help the person that's going through? Because I'll be honest with you, Fleur, I, and I say this metaphorically, I breastfed off Michael for four years. He would feed me 
he would prop me up, send me off to work because work, being a doctor was easy. I knew how to do that. That was like in my subconscious. But then he, then I'd come home and he'd say, okay, this is all you got to do for the day. So I was able to breastfeed off Michael for four years. I know that sounds crazy, but you need to have somebody that helps you with that. And so Michael kind of teaches and coaches people that are on the outside of somebody that's going through that. That's cool. I really like that. He sounds like a bit of a legend, this Michael. He's a good man. (laughs) Sounds like a bit of an angel, too. I think so. Yeah, I bet. I know so. Yeah, I bet. Amazing. Okay, so we'll put the the links to your Facebook group um, in the show notes. And anything else that you want to send me, I'll pop that in the show notes as well so that people can find you and, and learn more about what you guys are doing. Do you run that locally or is it all online? It's all online. It's all. It's all Cool. We're all telemedicine. Sweet. So people can, can find you from anywhere in the world, which is even better. And I think what you're doing New is... Zealand, Australia, wide world. Wherever. So important. Um, thank you. Thank you for, for being you and sending out that message um, and being able to help people. You know what? I've known for uh, for so long that things like gut health and, you know, linking with the brain. And, uh, I mean, for me, I've always had an inkling that nutrition and Alzheimer's has been way more linked Um, and obviously nutrition and diabetes is obviously a linkage in itself but it's so nice to see someone actually going out there and making a difference and actually educating people on that as well because people don't know about it people don't know enough about it people just think that people get Alzheimer's because they're old and um, yeah it's really cool that you guys are doing that so thank you and well done thank you And And I uh, love what you're doing too, Fleur. You go, girl. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm stoked. And remain unstoppable. Absolutely. Unstoppable (laughs) and unshakable. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. And um, I hope that you, yeah, I hope that you keep smashing it and keep being your positive ball of light. Thank you.